Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Book one. She had a little daughter who was as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as ebony wood. The young princess was as beautiful as daylight. She was more beautiful even than the queen herself. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloane. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 117 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast, where our captain is king, Marissa is queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Please welcome Rampy and Crew patron supporter Layla. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Layla, let's take a moment and recall your first experience with Marissa Meyer and how you found her books. Okay, so I actually found her books through a friend. The story's not that interesting. <laughs> but um, we were neighbors, and we used to call each other all the time. And she called me once talking about the Marissa Meyer books, um, the Lunar Chronicles, and just, like, telling me how I should read them. So I begged my mom to get me the box set, and she did. And finally, after, like, two years of having them, I read them and then just, like, fell in love with her writing and decided to read all of her other books. And, yeah, Renegades is my favorite, but I love the Lunar Chronicles. I'll have to make sure I definitely have you on Renegades episodes then, huh? Yes. Yeah, isn't those aren't those in like what two years or something? <laughs> it's a while. Well, we have a bunch of stuff. Like we have to finish. Winter is not the end of the Lunar Chronicles, contrary to popular belief. There's still stars above. There's two graphic novels, and I'm even going to do the COVID short story. <laughs> and then after that, we have Heartless, and we have her two short stories that she did. So yeah, I mean it's it's a while before we get to. I think the first Renegades book isn't until July of 2023, so two years. Well, I will be ready. And that's assuming that, like, nothing changes between now and then, you know? Yeah. And that I'm still doing, like, an episode a week and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the, the game plan, but two years is a long time, so we'll see. Yeah. So let's talk about what you're currently reading. Well, um, as of five minutes ago, I wasn't reading anything, so right before I started this, I read one page of a book just so I could say I was reading something. <laughs> You're so cute. <laughs> um, it's The Storm Crow by Kaylin, yeah, Kaylin Josephson, and I don't know what it's about, I just read the first page of the prologue. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I'm reading Beta by N.T. Zimney. She's an author who actually sent me a cute little package with, like, her book and some goodies in it. So I was like, oh, well, I definitely have to read this. And it's actually (laughs) – I'm always a little hesitant when someone is like, you should read this book because then I'm nervous that I won't like it. And then I'll be like – I'll feel obligated to to be like, it was so great. But I'm actually really enjoying it. I spent – I spent almost an hour on the bike reading this book, and I I was so distracted I didn't even notice I was on the bike, which is a plus, because normally about six minutes into riding the bike, I'm like, oh, am I done yet? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she's actually, she, I emailed her a couple of days ago, and she agreed to come on the podcast, so she'll be on 
the podcast pretty soon, which is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I also booked a hotel today because I'm going to go see my best friend and her daughters, my nieces. So I'm super excited for that. Um, and I'm done with the semester. I have like a little bit of a break and then I go back on like the 24th. So not much of a break, but a little bit of a break, <laughs> which I'm going to, go. I'm going to use that okay. time to write my book. So who knows how much of a break it'll really be. <laughs> so let's talk about some fan art Friday. First, a big thank you to Madison Brown 365 on Instagram for emailing this to me because I love when people email me stuff and I don't have to like email them and say, can I please share this? And then wait like six months for a reply. <laughs> this is from July 30th and it's perfection. It's winter. I, I did picture her hair uh, a little bit curlier than this. I think when I talked with Kira, uh, we talked about it being like a 4C curl, but I still think this is beautiful and I love how vibrant it is. Yeah, I like seeing all the different ways people kind of think about how her hair would look. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like the length of this one a lot. Yeah, I always pictured her her hair like just slightly above shoulder length. So I love that. And mm -hmm. purple is my favorite color. So I love the whole tone of this image. Yeah. Like makes me happy just looking at the color purple. So yeah. <laughs> I like the sparkles on the dress or shirt or whatever it is. Yeah, and I also like that her face is kind of glowing, even though she's mm -hmm. not, like, smiling or anything. Kind of like the Mona Lisa. It doesn't look like she's smiling, but it's not not smiling. Yeah. You know? Brown. I like the crown. It's so cute and tiny. It could almost be, like, just a hairpin in there, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. So big thank you for sharing that with us. Um, last, well, two weeks ago, because last week we had a bonus episode. Um, so last week, Patreon members voted for chapter titles. And cha the last chapter of Ferris, pages 214 to 220, is titled Miserable at Best by Mayday Parade. So yay. Um, and then real quick, I actually have an email. Uh, which I feel like never happens anymore. We never get emails, but we do have one email. Um, so I'm really excited to read it. Hey, Bethany and Priscai FanPod listeners, longtime listener, first time emailer. Thank you for emailing. Everyone listening, feel free to also be a first time emailer. <laughs> I just saw your post that your bonus episode will be you and your husband discussing Wally. I also saw that it said, it is a Patreon episode that you are deciding to share with all of us. I wanted to know what other episodes are on Patreon so that I can listen if I join. And what are some perks that would have me interested in joining? The fact that there are bonus episodes on content like WALL-E and I assume other Disney movies has already got me my interest peaked. Don't get glamored and can't wait to start winter on Yana. And I did ask her if I said that right. Um... <laughs> So there's a lot of bonus episodes. <laughs> yeah. I had to look because I was like, I don't know what all we've done at this point. Um, so we've done Ella Enchanted. We did two Taylor Swift ones. Ashley and I did one on Shrek. There's a blooper one. There's an exclusive one. It's only like five minutes long, but it's like a message for Marissa. 
There's a Pride and Prejudice one that's like two hours long. Uh, <laughs> Halloween Town. Anastasia, which I did with Kiera. Uh, Becca and I did one on Ever After. Hercules. Uh, the Selection Series. I'm scrolling. <laughs> uh, live Action Cinderella. Lemonade Mouth. Princess Diaries, and I actually just recorded one the other day of uh, The Princess and the Frog. So, I mean, there's like 20 bonus episodes to listen to. So, yeah, that alone is a reason to join Patreon, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you're a Patreon member. What would you say to someone who wants to know why they should join Patreon? I think, although I haven't been in a little bit because I keep forgetting, I think the Zoom meetings are the best. Oh, they're because so you get fun. To- yeah, you get to talk to you and, like, all the other Patreon members. And also the Instagram group chat. You guys are always sharing fan art and stuff, and those are nice to see. And people talk about their lives there, too, which is pretty interesting when you have a boring life. It's, like, I feel like our Discord chat, our Zoom meetings, and even the Instagram is, like, maybe 10% Marissa, and then the rest is just, like, whatever's <laughs> going on. Like, I have a job interview today, or finals are hard, or kids are stressing out you know like I feel like I feel like most of what we talk about is just like like life stuff that you would talk about with your with any other friend yeah I I don't know I think Patreon is fun especially because it's only a dollar so I mean it's not it's less than if you bought one McChicken a month (laughs) (laughs) that's about as cheap as I can make it but Ariana (laughs) if you're thinking about joining I would also say the first fiscal month is free so you can always join and see if you like it. And if you don't, you can hop out before it gets charged. So like today is the day this episode comes out is like August 3rd, I think. So you can join for the whole month of August. And as long as you cancel it before September starts, you won't get charged. So, you know, you can join for like 30 days. See if you like it. If you do, awesome. Um, if you mm-hmm. don't, then I understand it's not for everybody. Plus, it's only a dollar. Like, what are you going to do with the dollar anyways? <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's it's pretty – It's I can't – I literally can't make it cheaper. So, yeah. I looked into it. I was like, maybe I could just do, like, a quarter or a free thing. No, there's – there's even Patreon has limitations, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, in other news, Gilded is available for pre-order. Um, there is a – prologue sneak peek that marissa recorded and posted it's on youtube it's on twitter it's on instagram i shared it on the instagram page and she also posted a written text version of the prologue on fierce reads if you want to go check that out uh i personally cannot wait i'm super excited rumpelstiltskin is one of my favorite retellings it's probably second only to rapunzel um, and I've only read one that I actually liked, so uh, really excited for uh, for another story from Marissa, and I'm so excited to go back to fairy tales with her. Me too. I will say if you if you're interested in a Rumpelstiltskin retelling, I loved the Rumpelstiltskin retelling by K.M. Shea. Um, I'm pretty sure it's free on Kindle, uh, Kindle Unlimited. So. You know, can check it out there. But uh, it was a really cute little story. And I'm, I'm sure Marissa's will be a lot more dramatic. But it was a fun, yeah. like, read. And I, I like fun reads. Sometimes I need to not be stressed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I also went to the bookstore today. 
So I just got a really cool scholarship. Um, and once I paid all of my school stuff, I had a very small amount left over. And I was like, I'm going to do something fun. And I just went to the bookstore and just walked around. And I listened to Marissa's podcast episode. And it was just really nice. It's a nice way to relax. Did you buy anything? I did. What did I get? I got Geekerella. I've heard that one. By Ashley Poston. You know, I don't know anything about it. I saw Geekerella and I was like, I bet that's a retelling. And I grabbed it. <laughs> I got Four Dead Queens, which I vaguely remember being on Marissa's podcast. Um, I got Capturing the Devil by Carrie Maniscalco. I got The Betrothed Duology by Kiara Cass. And I got something called Hot British Boyfriend. Not entirely sure what it's about, but the back half of it looked like it was like a teenage rom-com. And sometimes it's really nice to read a rom-com. Yeah. I get stressed out with some book series. And I like um, uh, Miss Peregrine series. I loved the first three books, but I haven't read the other three books because they're very stressful books. And they're a lot more like intense and horror than I usually go for. So yeah, I stayed away from them. I'm kind of afraid of thriller books, and those books just—I don't know—the cover freaked me out. I know it just depends on the content because, like, I loved *Stalking Jack the Ripper*. I thought it was great. I'm Romanian, so I'm like obligated to love Dracula, right? <laughs> but I don't know. Something about those books was just so intense, and I think they're a magnificent story. And I will revisit them someday. Um, but I remember when I got done with those three books, and I was like, I need a book that is so happy. Like, yeah. I really need something where it's just fun and easygoing. And, you know, there's not a lot of stress involved. I'm not going to, like, have nightmares or contemplate my existence or have some kind of existential crises after reading the book. <laughs> so I, I'm excited to read it when I need it. Like, it's going to be there when I'm in the mood for that. Yeah. Should we talk about winter? Yes, I'm so excited to be done with Ferris. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> <laughs> my sister and I got done and I was like book is closed it's on the shelf gone done let's move on <laughs> but I do think it was great to read it before getting to winter I think it's valuable to have that Levana backstory going into winter it makes uh, the entire book of winter just make a lot more sense yeah uh, first I want to say that I usually don't read the dedication but I thought this one was really cute it says, for Jesse, who turns every day into a happily ever after. Aww. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. That's the kind of cheesy yeah. stuff I would do, so I love it. <laughs> my my husband was like, you're not going to dedicate your book to me, right? I was like, I wasn't going to. He's like, oh, good. He's like, I kind of want to now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to dedicate it to other people who've struggled with eating disorders, but... <laughs> Do it just to spite him. I'll put him in the acknowledgments, but that's, I mean, he's not who I wrote the book for, so I yeah. feel like I feel like the dedication of my book, side tangent already, right, but, like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the dedication of my book, like, I wrote my book for a reason, so I feel like it's dedicated to the reason I wrote it, so that's why it yeah. would be for people who, like me who struggle. Yeah. yeah. Anyways... <laughs> 
<laughs> I wrote a quick summary. The crew infiltrated the castle. Iko and Cinder get to Kai in his room and knock him out. Dr. Erland and Thorne manage to get to the lab and make the medicine Thorne needs for his eyes, but the doctor seems to be coming down with letamosis and locks himself in quarantine. Meanwhile, Cress and Wolf attend the wedding as guests, then make it to the lab where Dr. Erland is able to tell Cress that he is her father. Everyone in their group, except the dying doctor, then rush to the roof where Jacin is to pick them up in the spaceship. But there's a huge fight with the Lunar Guards and Sybil Mira. At one point, the situation looks helpless and Thorn says to Cress, I guess it's time. <laughs> my heart. <laughs> and then kisses her. And in my notes, in parentheses, I wrote swoon. <laughs> <laughs> Using her lunar gift, Cinder and the others manage to break Sybil's mind, defeat the others, and board the ship. Jacin is arrested by the other Lunars and taken to Luna. Lavana talks to Dr. Erland in his quarantine room, and he tells her that he knows that she and her parents created Letamosis and allowed it to be sent to Earth using lunar shells. Kai wakes up on board the ship, and Cinder tells him her true identity, that she is the missing princess saloon. They soon learn that lunar ships are heading to Earth to all the continents. Earth and countries have declared a state of war. When Kai asks her what her plan is, she says that she is going to Luna to start a revolution. Aww. I can't believe I included the fact that Thorn and Cress kissed, and I skipped the fact that Kai and Cinder also kissed. Y'all. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't, my summary is crap, you guys. <laughs> no. I feel like I included everything, though. Yeah, we got the gist. We got the gist of it. Do you want to read the first quote for us? Sure. The young princess was as beautiful as daylight. She was more beautiful even than the queen herself. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. <sighs> Wait, isn't this quote different than the winter quote that was in Ferris? Do you remember the, like, the little snippet that was in of winter in the end of Ferris? You know what, that, yeah. Do you have it on you? It's different. Yeah. What's the one on? What's that one say? It says she had a little daughter who was as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as ebony wood. I wonder why she Ooh. changed it. Anyways, <laughs> I actually kind of like the other one better. Yeah, she had that a one's little like... daughter who was white as snow. She had a little daughter who was as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as ebony wood. I like that one better. Yeah, I think I do too. We already know that Winter's gorgeous. That's that's all the books have said, told us about her so far is that she's a stepdaughter and she's ridiculously attractive and she has scars on her face. So, you know, I like the other one better because it reminds us that it's a fairy tale, not that she's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this is supposed to remind us that she, that Lavana thinks she's a threat. Yeah. I'll put both of them in the episode because I can do that. So <laughs> we start off with Winter. Her toes are cold. Cold toes. We actually don't have, if I remember correctly, we don't have anything from Winter's perspective in books 1 through 3.5. Am I correct? Yeah, I think so. So this is our first our first uh, look into her, how her mind works, how she thinks, how she operates, what it's like to deal with the delusions that, that the gift has cursed her with. And 
she feels like she's cold and she's sort of turning into a girl of ice while dealing with this this cold harsh reality that is the lunar court they're having a court meeting amory park is presenting to the queen he speaks like a ballad with a loose and he reports about a 15 month old shell um who was sought out by his father after finding out that the shells aren't actually killed in infanticide they're just captured and used for blood platelets it's made me think of um dr erland for some reason i think of dr erland because if he knew that cress had been alive or he had heard the rumors like this man had i, I think he would have sought her out he would have tried to find her yeah. So, yeah, I could see why that would uh, spark your interest. Because I, I think if, if if Dr. Erlon had heard any kind of rumor whatsoever, then that would have been his obsession. Instead of being obsessed with finding the lost princess and reinstating her, he would have been obsessed with finding his lost daughter. Yeah. And rescuing her. I think he could have done it, too. I, I believe think in so. Him. He was a very determinate person. I think if he wanted something bad enough, he could he could will it into fruition, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love this description of the throne room because it gives us, like, an insight into the palace. We got descriptions of the throne room from Lavana's perspective in Fairest, but I like the Winter's perspective a lot more. Lavana always saw the throne room as both horrifying and desirable. Because she wanted the power so much. And Winter just sees it as as horrifying. So the throne room in the central tower of the palace had the most striking view in the city. From her seat, Winter could see Artemisia Lake mirroring the white palace and the city reaching for the edge of the enormous clear dome that sheltered them from the outside elements, or lack thereof. The throne room itself extended past the walls of the tower so that when one passed beyond the edge of the mosaic floor, they found themselves on a ledge of clear glass, like standing on air, about to plummet into the depths of the crater lake. So they live in this terra dome. Is it called terraforming? I have no idea. What's it called when when they have to change the landscape to make it livable? Um, oh yeah, I, my, okay, my husband is nodding his head. It's called terraforming. Okay. So they've terraformed the moon to give it a life and an atmosphere and environment that is in, that is habitable by humans. Um, and they live in this big, huge dome, which kind of feels suffocating to me. Yeah. Like she makes it sound so large, but when you think about it, it still seems like you're like trapped. I think it's probably massive. Like, I mean, but imagine living in a large city. Like, you probably wouldn't see the walls of the dome. But every time you looked up, you would see it, right? So, I don't know. I think there's probably a a part of it that feels very isolating or limiting. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. Kind of like being on a boat. I hate boats with a passion. <laughs> or an island or something. Like, you are you have space, but you are trapped. You can't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. 
Why are you terrified yeah. of boats? Um, I can't swim. Oh, so. no. <laughs> the thought of like falling off the boat, I just, I can't. I don't, I don't do boats or water. I love water, but I have a fear of being trapped. Not necessarily like a confined space, though. Just like, oh, in just in any situation where I don't have like a survival path. So yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, when you don't have an exit. I need an exit strategy. So like. Airplanes, I don't like them unless they're on the ground where I know I can get out the door. Boats, I like them. Boats, I like them as long as the water is like shallow enough or close enough to shore that I could get there without, you know, you know, like if it's on a lake, that's fine. If it's in the middle of the ocean, I'm probably going to be terrified because land is like way far away, like farther than I could swim, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm sure there's probably a word for that, but <laughs> yeah, probably. I know it's not claustrophobia because I don't care if it's a small space as long as I can get out. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think the dome would probably make me uncomfortable because of that. <laughs> Plus, Lavana being there that made me pretty I mean, uncomfortable. That's, like scary enough, right? <laughs> so tension is high ever since Lavana was on Earth and. Dr. Erland was like, I know your secrets, and I'm going to tell you one of mine. Celine's alive, and her betrothed was kidnapped, and there's a war going on. So, yeah, she's she's a little grumpy. Yeah. She's been in an absolute rage ever since uh, Cinder. We get a really quick recap here in the book of where we left off, but it's not enough. I feel like mine had a lot more. Yeah. It says, ever since the queen's betrothed had been kidnapped and Lavana's chance to be crowned empress had been stolen from her. Ever since that runaway lunar, that cyborg, had escaped from her earthen prison. Yeah, that's a much quicker recap than what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that they call it the blue planet. Oh, Earth. Oh, my gosh. I'm so slow. <laughs> I know. The first time I read that, I was like, wait. Oh, right. Blue. Okay. But because I, I, Earth is like 75% water, I think. But I love that they call it the blue planet. Yeah. Winter misses the sun and the warmth because the artificial days are not the same. And Lavana is kind of talking in the background. All throughout this chapter, Winter is having, um, what do we call it? A delusion? I think it was hallucination. Hallucination. Thank you. Um, I knew delusion wasn't right. So she's been having this hallucination that she's turning into ice. And it's it's like starting at her fingers. But throughout the chapter, we see it, it overcome her entire body. So Lavana wants to know how this man, this, this technician, knew that the shells were not being killed. And he says, well, I've heard rumors. And now we see like uh, an insight to the lunar court. There's four tiers of Artemisian families in the throne room, the nobles of Luna. And it's a very archaic way of becoming noble, very medieval style. They basically have money and were born in or near the palace. That's it. That's how they're noble. Doesn't seem very smart way to go about it. I mean, 
I want to say we've changed, right? But billionaires yeah. are flying well, into outer space for fun while people are starving in the streets. <laughs> so maybe not. Yeah. I realize that probably sounded really judgy on my part, but. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> the man starts begging to be forgiven and Winter wishes she could tell him. It doesn't matter. It's much easier if you take your death because no thing you say is going to protect your life. She's going to kill you. Amory is now the head thaumaturge because Sybil died. Sorry. Sybil was murdered. It's murdered by Cinder, no less. Yeah. But the begging man just continues to beg and he says, I am sorry, your majesty. Oh, wait. I need a better voice for that. I am sorry, your majesty. My family and I have served you for generations. I'm a janitor at that med clinic, and I'd heard rumors. It was none of my business, so I never cared. I never listened. But when my son was born a shell, he is my son. Ooh, that's heartbreaking, but it doesn't matter to Lavana at all. There's no heartstrings to pull on her. She says that there's a reason the queen chose to keep her son away and to separate all the lunar shells and that the purpose is for everyone. It's for the good of everyone. Some incredible lies that this woman (laughs) uses to justify her ridiculous actions. Yeah. I don't know how this... Why she... Anyways, saying it's for the good of everyone is so incorrect, and I don't know. I feel really bad for this man. I don't have kids, obviously, but I just imagining how he feels losing his son, and the way she had the little that little font change on the word "son" just like ugh, my heart. I don't have children, but you better pray to whatever god you believe in if you come anywhere near my dogs. <laughs> yeah or my nieces for that matter i'm a, usually a pretty gentle person um but for sure i i will get protective of the things that i consider to be mine i guess i don't know like i think yeah. i've told the story of how i hit someone once <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah i was at a dog park and this dog was humping scamp because they're dogs and dogs hump right yeah. And Scamp, like, it was either Scamp or Beowulf, but he, like, turned around and barked at the dog, probably to be like, hey, um, I don't like it when people hunt me. And this lady, the owner of said dog, popped him on the nose, popped my dog on the nose, and I smacked her. <laughs> I just slapped her arm and shoved her. I was like, don't touch my dog. Well, he barked at my dog. Well, your dog humped him. Walk away, girl. I realize that I'm a small, I'm like five feet tall, but believe me, I will go, like, just walk away. I don't know what I'm capable of, but it might be a lot. That's a very appropriate response. I don't understand. I I don't hit my dogs. I don't. And I'm not judging people who do. I just, I don't have a, my dog could kill me with his teeth and chooses not to. I don't think it's fair of me to slap him. Like, yeah. it's just a respect thing. Thank you for not killing me with your teeth. 
I will not <laughs> hit you in return and not give you a reason to think about killing me with your teeth. <laughs> but like, I especially don't need some strange woman smacking him, especially when he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah. Like, he's telling this dog, like, you don't have consent. <laughs> I'm applying so many human attributes to my dog. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have kids, but I could see I would want to rescue my dog. You know, I, if I found out about the shells, I'd probably rescue them, even though they're not my kids. I'd be like, we got to do something about this. Yeah, because this is, like, really unfair and inhumane. And what's interesting to me is that he says he didn't care until it was his son. And I think Dr. Erlon said that, too. He said he thought that taking the shells was a good idea until it was his daughter. He said he never disagreed with it. Yeah, he, he said basically yeah. the same thing. That he always agreed with the laws until it was his daughter. Yeah, I don't know. That's very interesting to think about. I th I, th I think it's true. I don't think this man cared until it was his son. It wasn't his problem until it was his problem, you know? Yeah, it's one of those kind of you stay away, um, probably just to keep yourself safe. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So Lavana tells him that their blood is valuable beyond his comprehension since he's just a janitor and that all of the shells are dangerous. And this is where the man starts to talk back a little bit because he says, well, he's just a baby. And so are the others in those tanks. They're innocent children. Winter reveals that she thinks the shells are basically used as blood platelet manufacturing plants because they're just unconscious states of being in they're beings in a state of in a permanent state of unconsciousness is that right that sounds right no I, yeah i don't know i believe it it <laughs> <laughs> sounds legit to me This, um, what do you think of this part? So he has a nine-year-old daughter, two sisters, one nephew, um, and his wife died five months ago. Lavana decides to sentence him to death, um, and says that his family receives 12 lashes publicly so that she can prove that she's not going to tolerate any decisions of hers being questioned, and also says to give his daughter to one of the families. I really don't understand, and I probably never will, why other people suffer because of, like, the actions of people they're affiliated with. I don't understand. I mean, one, I don't think he did anything wrong, but I don't understand why she would do that to his family just because, like, they're his family. And especially if they're going to kill him anyways, why? I, I don't get that. I 100% agree. I mean, it's like, I mean, that's basically the entire premise of the Hunger Games trilogy, right? Is that... Yeah. Oh, I guess it's a quartet now. Um, is that, you know, District 13 screwed up, so now all of you better send me two of your kids to die once a year? What is, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, too, because 
she says that she is going to give his daughter to one of the families to teach her obedience and authority. But I think of how Scarlet was given to one of the families. Is that what this girl's life is going to be now? Just tortured by lunars? For some reason, when I heard that, I thought meant given <laughs> given to the family to be their daughter. But actually, what you said makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I don't think they're adopting her. I think that she's going to be their slave for all intents and purposes. Yeah. I don't know what else to call it. We Well, I guess Scarlet wasn't a slave. She didn't work for them. She didn't, like, do housework or anything. She was literally just a prisoner tortured for the sheer fun of it. Yeah. So, like, what, what did she say? Practice his abilities or something? Yeah, so that Master Charleston, I think was his name, could could practice his abilities. Yeah. And that's that could be what happens to this little girl. And as she grows up, she'll probably become, I don't know, maybe she'll be like a Cinderella story, right? Well, she'll have to do all the chores and all the cleaning and uh, yeah. Yeah. How do they decide which family gets stuff? Is there like a rotation? Like <laughs> maybe like the Johnsons got Scarlet, so now the, the <laughs> so now the Carters get this girl, and next it'll be the Smiths or something. There's like a chart somewhere. That would be messed up. If well, I'm trying to figure out how they how they <laughs> keep track and decide who gets her. Maybe they have to like physically fight each other, and whoever has the best power, the best like lunar gift, wins. Like the Hunger Games. Like the Hunger Games, yeah. So Amory pulls out an obsidian knife and hands it to the prisoner, and he continues to pl- to plead for his life all the way until he slashes his own throat. He says, Winter looked away as always. I think I'd look away too. Me too. I'd probably try to cover my ears too. I don't... Ugh. I wouldn't want to hear the, 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 the dripping, the slashing, the sound, uh-huh. the body falling. Like, ugh, no. she can hear the man dying but she also hears jacin's voice in her head calming her down it isn't real it's just an illusion but jacin's not there he hasn't been there in like what two months yeah so the, the memories, they usually help, but they're not working today. She's still freezing from the inside out, and Jacin is gone. As the court starts, the, the body of the dead man is dragged away and shoved over the edge into the lake. And that reminds me of how Lavana once thought of killing Celine by shoving her in the lake. I wonder how many dead bodies are in that lake. So many, right? Yeah. They've got to be littering the floor like... Oh my gosh, ew. But I mean, but right, like, have you seen Harry Potter? I haven't. Actually, I haven't even read the books. There's a, there's a scene where there's like a lake full of dead bodies, and I feel like that's what this would be. It would just be like, at the bottom, instead of it being like wee little pebbles, it's bones. It's really that's really disturbing. I hope nobody swims in there. Yeah. I hope it's like goes- a decorative lake. Yeah. And if that is where they get their water from, I hope that it's extremely oh. filtered. 
Well, they have to get the water from somewhere, right? It's not like it rains up there. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So, and they're not getting shipments from Earth, I assume, right? So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a very disturbing image. Yeah, this (laughs) Lavana and the court, they're extremely disturbing. And even more disturbing when you think about this, they applaud. The man dies and they throw him in the lake and the lunar court applauds like they just got done watching a movie or a play. It's awful. I'm hoping some of them just do it because they feel like they have to, but I don't know. Yeah, you want to have the benefit of the doubt that like maybe one or two of them are good people, but we're not <laughs> we're not given the indication that that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Winter starts to feel her toes snap off and the ice is in her throat. And remember this is all in a, this is all a hallucination. She's not actually freezing. Amory sneers at Winter as he wipes the blade clean. Like he's like he enjoys how uncomfortable it makes her. And he says, Oh, Winter has no stomach for these proceedings. Well, why should she? Yeah, that's a typical person might struggle in a situation like this. I would. Yeah. I'm struggling reading about it, let alone experiencing it firsthand. Yeah. Ooh, and all the noises and stuff. And I'm sure she's probably seen this like a bunch of times, you'd think, but I, mean, I don't think that this But it she she it. never seems to have gotten I don't know, adjusted to it. Yeah. If you think about I it would. if you think about it, she grew up in the palace. But we saw in Ferris, we saw how how much Everett tried to distance her from the court. And I wonder if it's for this this reason, because he didn't want her to be like the lunar court, who are vain and shallow and power-hungry and addicted to violence. Winter's disgust is the merriment of the court. They're just teasing her and taunting her. And it reminds me of how Lavana was teased when she was younger by the court. And then right after that, Winter says she is a girl made of ice and glass. Lavana once said that she was a girl made of dust and stone. So it's interesting to me that we have these these parallels between the two of them. Um, Because at the same time, we have these oppositions where they're just two completely different people. Mm Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if there was a time when Lavana was uncomfortable with this type of, levi- of violence. I feel like there there was, especially when she was like subject to that with like being burned and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I agree. Lavana said she forgot she was even there because she's a useless rag doll. And Amory screws up. Amory, is it your first day? You are. I literally wrote in my notes, me reading this, like, Amory, you dumbass, is it your first day? (laughs) He goes, he goes, she's the prettiest girl on all of Luna. And Lavana is like, prettiest girl on all of Luna. And his face is like, oh, I I meant, yeah, I mean, she's pretty, but like, no one can compare to you. You're perfect. And I'm like, sure, great save, dumbass. 
Oh my god, if I was Amory, I would be panicking so bad. I'm like, you are so stupid. How long have you been a part of this court? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I I remember when Lavana first became the the queen interim. She was queen until queen regent. That was the word, queen regent. She was like 18, 19 years old, right? So yeah. we're talking like 15 years ago. Amory was supposed to be head thaumaturge, but she wanted Sybil instead. So he's been a part of this court at least long enough to have been considered for head thaumaturge 15 years ago. And he's still so stupid <laughs> that he goes to the queen who's obsessed with being perfect. And everyone knows that about her so much so that she wears a veil to hide herself on the net screens, even though literally no one else ever does that. And he's like, she's prettiest girl on all of Luna. So Maybe that was from Marissa Meyer. Maybe it was intentional because you know how in Snow White, the mirror always said that Snow White was the fairest of them all. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was like supposed to be a reference to that. Do we think that Amory is the mirror? Hmm. I don't know. Actually, who is supposed to be the mirror? Right? Let's try and think if Amory is the mirror, do we have any evidence that he would be the mirror? Does he often tell her that she's the most beautiful of all and then and then correct it and say but winter other than right here because what other purpose does the mirror have he's yeah the mirror well i don't even know why i'm saying he i guess the mirror doesn't have gender anyways they are just like always kind of just like reassurance for what is the queen's name <laughs> for the evil queen, queen? Oh, is she just is her name just the evil queen? Yeah, her name's just the evil oh. queen. <laughs> okay, well, the mirror is just like reassurance of the evil queen. I don't think it actually plays a role, at least not in the original. I don't know. Okay, the match mirror I have in my mind is the one from Once Upon a Time. Oh, and he yeah, was, like, he was a person. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. That's what I was thinking about that. If you listeners, my dear listeners have any theories as to if Amory is the mirror and have any evidence to show me why you think that, email me, princekyfanpod at gmail.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, and while we're reading this book for the next year, uh, we'll, try to, <laughs> we'll try to keep an eye out and see if we can't uh, notice any other comparisons that might make us see Amory as the mirror. Hello everybody, I'm Megan. And I'm Samantha. With Literary Luscious. And we want to tell you about our podcast. Join us every other week as we dive into a sci-fi or fantasy novel where we also drink cocktails inspired by the novel. We post YouTube videos of us making the cocktails. And a lot of the times we even have the authors on including Dennis E. Taylor, Marissa Myers, and even Angela Roquet. So join us because you don't want to miss the podcast that's been described as not taking ourselves too seriously. And with that we say, stay lively with your libations. At this point, Winter envisions Amory's head toppling off and falling and rolling until it sits at her feet, still smiling. Mm. <laughs> have you have you ever seen the movie The Mummy? 
Uh, I don't. No, I haven't. Or the Mummy Returns. There's an so. actor. There's an actor, and I always picture him as Avery. And I'm thinking. I'm gonna send you a picture on Instagram, and I'm gonna post this picture to Instagram so all of you can see what I'm talking about. I think the actor now is probably too old to play Amory. But I always picture his face because he's good at, like, looking both uh, intriguing and attractive and terrifying at the same time. So I just emailed it to you or emailed it. I sent it to your Instagram. Oh. So I always picture him. He also has a very deep and somber voice. So I even picture his voice. Haven't heard it, but like I said before, I believe you. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know the actor's name. I should probably look that up, right? Did you just Google the mummy and then look for his face? Yeah, because I've seen the movie before. Oh, oh gosh. No, oh, there's so many. Um, I, I can't say his name. I'm really sorry, you guys. I don't want to say it incorrectly. And it's a lot of letters. Oh, yeah. Adwale? Yeah, I don't even want to cry either. <laughs> um, but he's an actor. <laughs> and I, I think that he would have done a, a great job of playing Amory. I, I loved him in that role in that film. Um, and so whenever I'm reading the books, I always picture him and, and his creepy yet attractive smile, his weird, <laughs> his bizarre attractiveness. I'm curious who would make a good Amory. If it was like live action? Yeah. I don't remember any descriptions of him, and I don't... Other than the fact that he's, like, tall, good-looking, and black, I got nothing. Is he bald? Yeah. I feel like he's bald. (laughs) How do you... How did you get that? I feel like in the... I feel like when we met him, Kai said that he was bald. I'm not gonna lie, I do not remember that. (laughs) Wiki how. I know, that's what I'm looking up. I'm like, where's his physical character? Okay, physical attributes... It just says he has dark skin, piercing eyes, and a devilish grin. That's very, so very vague. Much you sent though. Yeah, that could be anyone. <laughs> that's that's super vague. Well, either way, <laughs> um, <laughs> he we know that he's he's moderately attractive, um, even though he's evil. And again, winter he, as as. Amory's head hits her feet. She hears Jacin's voice in her head saying, it's all in your head. She closes her eyes as the ice enters her eyes because it's closing and the darkness is closing in. And she's going to die here and never witness another murder again. But instead, Jacin Clay enters the scene because he's the, the next victim of this court. And I love this part because... uh. Lavana asks if they're finished. There's one prisoner still to be tried, my queen. Sir Jacin Clay, royal guard, pilot, and assigned protector of thaumaturge Sybil Mira. And this is where winter gaps and all the ice shatters. And Amory watches her and smirks. Because he's, like, ready for something bad to happen to Jacin, I guess. Yeah. I don't remember what happened next, but that's yeah. it. That's I'm- what happens. Cause we we stop. That's the end of our chapters. Lavana's like, ugh, bring him in. <laughs> this is our first chapter of winter, and it's so 
dark and morbid. Like, our first chapter of Cinder, she met Kai, so hot guy, right? Our first, yeah. <laughs> our first chapter of Scarlet, she met Wolf at the diner, so hot guy, right? Our first chapter of Cress, she was on this satellite, um... And she was dealing with, like, the deaths of all these people while simultaneously being obsessed with Captain Carswell Thorne and researching him. So hot guy, right? And then poor Winter is, like, at court watching people get murdered and having hallucinations of people being beheaded. I feel like like she drew the short end somehow. Yeah, Marissa Meyer did her dirty. She did. She did. Okay, so what was your song choice for this one? Okay, I chose, um, I told my notes on my phone. <laughs> okay, it may have been a little bit of a stretch using it in this chapter, but I did Stand Up um, from the movie Harriet by Cynthia Erivo. And um, it's obviously supposed to be referring to winter because we don't like Lavana. Right. But the lyrics kind of, okay, I'll just, I'll read lyrics. One that I, what am I saying? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay, one that I specifically picked out is, and I'll fight with the strength that I got until I die. And with that one, I was kind of thinking about how she's fighting against her gift, even though, as seen in this chapter, she's really having these crazy hallucinations. You know, okay. And then there's another one that's, I'm going to stand up, take my people with me. And that one made me think of, I've always said Jason, but you're saying Jason. So I know, I'm Jason. sorry. <laughs> I always thought it was Jason, and then I got the audiobooks. And so I told Marissa, I was like, I just, I have trouble fixing it now to Jason. Yeah. I tried, but I think I I think I fail. <laughs> I think I said Jason at first too, but then like I read I found this pronunci- pronunciation thing online that was like a guide to how to pronounce all the names and it was Jason. So <laughs> um what was I saying? <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Um it made me think of Jason and the Lunars because like they're her people. Um, even though she's kind of alone, but I don't think there's many people fighting against using their gift, but, um, I mean, maybe there is, I don't know, but like, she's taking her people with her. Well, <laughs> and the, the man begging for his, for forgiveness and for the life of his child was, was also standing up, right? So, yeah, yeah that works. So I picked Frozen Heart from the, the movie, the Disney film Frozen. One... It's a good way to start this book. Two, this entire chapter, Winter is having this hallucination, these illusions that she is freezing, that her body is turning to ice until it actually does hit her heart. And I I feel like a song about a frozen heart that's still worth something, that's still valuable and beautiful just really resonates with with who winter is as a character and what she's going through in this chapter and then like i said you know it's a really good song to listen to like i think ahead this is going to be a playlist in a year right so i think oh this will be a great way to start that playlist so patreon members got to vote already and voted for you know patreon members get to vote like way before i record the episode maybe i should just start saying it so Patreon members voted, and it was Frozen Heart. Yeah. Wait. Oh, yeah, because you, you usually say it in the beginning of the next week's episode. Yeah. What was your quote for this one? My quote, she was a girl made of ice and glass. Her teeth were brittle. Her lungs too easily shattered. Mm. 
again it makes me think of the song where she's got a frozen heart that needs broken so she can breathe and be alive yeah so i i wanted to be traditional in all of the books so far my favorite quote at the first chapter has been the beginning quote so my quote was (laughs) book one the young princess was as beautiful as daylight she was more beautiful even than the queen herself uh, it's a nice quote, guys, and I like that we get a reminder of what we're going into, what story we're about to read. Yeah. Yeah. So this week, there was one Easter egg, and we are going to be counting illusions and hallucinations for Winter, the character, um, which was something that was voted on by Patreon members on the Instagram like a year ago, I think. <laughs> I think some for some reason we talked about it like a year ago. But uh, we're going to count illusions and then the mention of her scars. Next week, we're going to cover chapters two and three. Rate, review, and subscribe and all that good stuff. Layla, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? Um, so I have a fan account. Um, it was originally supposed to be multi-fandom, but it's pretty much just strictly Marissa Meyer. So <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. The name is kind of weird, so I'll just spell it out. It's L-A-L-A-H-U-M-E-N. And yeah, it's pretty much just Marissa Meyer. Mostly Renegades, but you should be Renegades. So <laughs> If you haven't, you really should because it's amazing. And you've got two years to become familiar with the series before we start talking about it sentence by sentence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, thank you for being here. Don't forget to um, follow on Instagram, rate, review, and subscribe. Check out Patreon for all those cool bonus episodes that Anyana was asking about. And you also get a chance to be a guest on an episode with me. Plus more super cool perks, right? <laughs> uh, Layla, thank you for being here. I I know that we had to reschedule like 19,000 times. So I hope everyone <laughs> gives you a big smile and a round of applause for being such a trooper with my weird schedule. Thank you. Until next time, keep reading, keep listening, and don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Winter by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Patreon member Layla. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber, please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.